This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is almost prepared to accept that the league is in the bag. Almost. Anyway, a cracking night at the bridge uh, saw Chelsea boss a dismal Borough to put us one uh, one win away from winning the league and sending Borough back down to the championship. Helped tremendously by Spurs losing to the Happy Hammers last Friday on St Totteringham's Day. It was imperative that Chelsea did the business last night. They carved out a professional and ruthless display to leave the Stamford Bridge faithful deliriously happy and scrabbling around for a ticket to Friday night's party at West Brom. Happy days. I am Stanford Chidge, and the name of tonight's show is the Chelsea Fancast. It's in the baggies. And uh, the typical uh, unappreciation of my genius, as always, from my uh, hitherto known uh, as friends and now referred to as podcast fodder. They are in no particular order. The lovely Jonathan Kidd. Lovely to be on the show, Chidge. And uh, I thought it was clever, but we you know if we've read the script, we've we've laughed already. You do you do make this uh, somewhat disingenuous uh, point, but I'll, I'll I'll make I'll take anything these days, so I'll take like that. A fake La- laugh, a fake laugh. A fake yeah. laugh. Well, maybe what we need is ca- <laughs> maybe what we need is maybe what we need is some canned laughter or something like that, J.K. Maybe yeah. maybe I'll get you to go and like record some canned laughter with the extensive multimedia facilities you have at your disposal and then i yeah i can get you to perfect. play it in at, at, at random moments I uh, jonathan fact, it, Chich, Chich, i've got my 1963 rattle i could rattle that if you like i found that in the in the loft anyway as always great to have jonathan on the show and joining him tonight of all nights we've got the uh, the fantastic marco warrell buonasera come by well i'm i'm very well mate uh, as always it was lovely to see you uh, t'other day, uh, uh, by the stool, uh, actually quite cold for May, wasn't it? 
It was bloody freezing last night, actually. Yeah, I know. Um, never mind. We'll warm up tonight, that's for sure. Now, last but by no, because there's some really good stuff to talk about tonight. I'm quite excited about this show. It's going to be a cracker. Uh, not least, because I'm delighted to have, for a uh, first time in a very, 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 very long time, my old mucker, Mr. Tim Rolls, uh, who is on the show to talk about all things Chelsea, plus his new book. Isn't that right, Tim? Absolutely right. I'm looking forward to it. Excellent stuff. Right, so on the show tonight, uh, we're going to explain why revenge over Borough by relegating them to atone for them relegating us in 1988 was very important to Chelsea supporters of a certain vintage. Uh, mm. In part two, in part two, we kind of almost accept that it's over, and uh, now you're going to believe us, we're going to win the league, uh, as well as discussing the issues uh, from last night's game, of course. Now, in part three, we talked to Tim about his forthcoming book, Diamonds, uh, dynamos and devils the transformation of uh basically um a fantastic uh, chelsea side from the early 60s under tommy doherty and also of course the crowdfunding campaign to get it into the bookstores launching on thursday in part four we have a couple of emails from the antipodes and we look back at a fun weekend spent with the boys from the london is blue podcast now do not forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to Mixler, mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page. Uh, you can also tweet at Chelsea Fancast during the show to tell us what you think about the games and anything else on Chelsea. And as always, there are loads of people in there. I see uh, a Mr. Dan Lundberg, who... Uh, who is and Planet Earth is blue? I haven't seen him for a while. Uh, Ashki Sankaran, Chuckles, the lovely Chuckles, Jason. I missed Jason at the stall last night, but never mind. Uh, Costa Cante Dribble and Alison Frid, Alison Fragley, lovely. There's loads of people in there. There's always are. It's great having their company in here on what is usually a Monday night, but of course it's a Tuesday night tonight because we had to play last night. But there you go. Anyway, after this very little break, uh, we will be back to talk about football. Basically, I I thought you know rather rather than getting into the whole kind of stuff about the uh, the game last night straight away, I thought it'd be quite fun to talk about why so many of us at the game last night. And there was a lot of stuff kicking around social media as well about you know we were, a lot of us were talking about revenge and how sweet it would be, um, and I suspect that there's probably a few people who have no idea what on earth we were all talking about. So I thought, why don't we start it all off tonight by talking about that? So, um, I mean, I know for a fact, actually, that Tim wrote an, an excellent uh, blog on this. Uh, I don't know when you did it, actually, Tim. It was about four, four, three years ago? Three, four years ago, a guy from a, a borough website contacted me and just wanted the, uh, the Chelsea perspective. So I just wrote my memory of it, um, which was watching the away game in a cinema and the home game, which was appalling. And we were, you know... We weren't good enough, and we got relegated. And uh, yeah, it was. It was. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Mark was there and, and Jonathan as well. But it was one of the worst moments 
it I've was, ever had in, in, in 50 years it watching was, Chelsea. Yeah, It was vile beyond belief. It was absolutely appallingly upsetting. It was just because we didn't, I sort of the season sort of, we just got worse and worse. As the season. And we had really good players. Uh, it's just, oh, sorry to interrupt. Him. No, we, but just, we were. Just, I think we were third in November, thirteenth yeah. in late January, yeah. and we still managed to get relegated. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it was via via the playoffs, which, which mm. only happened once, so it could only yep. ever happen. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, I, I remember it. I mean, I remember actually quite vividly, unlike my usual memory, which is as appalling as most people know, but. Um, you know, that's not long after I, I kind of, you know, moved up to London and uh, was living in Lots Road at the time. And uh, was I mean, I wasn't going like every week, but I was going more regularly than I ever had been. And I just remember how 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 despondent we were about it. I mean, to, to be, I mean, I th- isn't, isn't it right? It was the only time. That we've ever been, that anybody's been relegated through a playoff. Is that right, Tim? Yeah. Or Marco? No, it is. It is. It's a hundred percent correct, and and do you know what? When I got, I was living in um, Alexandra Road, Wimbledon, sort of just around the corner from from the tube station. When I got back after the game, um, I was going out with this girl who was she, she wasn't really, but she was an Arsenal fan, um, and and she started laughing at me, and I said, "That's it, it's over." <laughs> and I, <laughs> Finish with her there and then. I've been going out with her for two years, and that was it. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think the things the other the other things that occurred to me, Tim, about that match originally was that. Um, I mean, you know, you lot. I mean, I was funnily enough, I was talking to Steve Byrne, Buncey, in the pub about this last night. I don't know, if, don't know if uh, Jonathan was around uh, at the time, but um, Buncey was telling me that uh, he also watched the game in the cinema. Which was very, very weird, and something he said he would never ever do again. Um, but also, uh, there was quite a, a tense atmosphere in there. There were a few Borough fans in there, apparently. But anyway, on, on the way, and on the way home, he got, or maybe this was after the the second leg. I, I maybe I'm getting the, the two stories mixed up. But basically, he got his car almost rolled uh, on the embankment by some very angry uh, uh, Chelsea fans who 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 thought that uh, he'd cut him cut them up. I I went to the cinema in uh, in Hoban. I think it was also shown in Hammersmith Odeon. Yeah, that's where I went. That's where I went. Brian Brian Tilsley from Coronation Street, Chris Quentin, got chased out because he was a Borough fan. That that, that must have been a highlight. And uh, we just watched it. And and Chelsea were were very poor. I think they lost 2-0. Very poor. And you know, watching a game—it's the only time I've ever, ever watched the match in the cinema, and I would never do it again. It was—it was awful, awful. I remember we um, we finished on the same number of points, didn't we, as West Ham and Charlton? And it was yes. 42, 42, which would num- normally that would be the case of of, be, of staying in the division. But uh, I think we had a feeble um, a feeble goal difference, if I remember. Um, well, the thing was, we played Charlton the last league game, and if we would beaten them. We'd have been all right, and we were one nil up, and then Paul Miller equalised, and we were so inept, we were incapable of attacking, and it was the whole the whole last three months of that season was dispiriting, and the last two weeks with the the Charlton game, and then the two games we played Blackburn in the semi-finals of the playoffs, but the two games against Borough were just appalling. Hmm. And I mean, uh, th- I mean, there was also quite a lot of enmity there too, wasn't there? Because hmm. in the in the in the away leg, 
you know, there was a bit of ag up there and they kind of stoned, you know, knocked, knocked the, the, our coaches' windows out, as was the thing in those days. But, of course, at the end of the match, uh, there's a brilliant, brilliant photograph. Marco, I know, would appreciate this, not least because you were probably in that crowd. But um, if you ever wanted to know what, um, what it was like uh, going to football as a casual, then that photograph that I've seen just utterly epitomizes it with lots of uh, very pringle looking jumpers and some very severe wedge haircuts marco and a lot of lads in stonewashed jeans and white t-shirts yeah, as yeah, i recall exactly. but yeah but i mean basically you know we, uh, we all got out well i wasn't there so i won't say we but the chelsea chelsea sports from the shed and the west uh, stand i believe they all kind of basically fronted on the, the borough fans of the north end is that right marco yeah 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 there was um because it, it was it was comparatively easy to get on on the pitch, um, although I think if my memory serves me right, that didn't actually get at the borough fans because the the fence um, did its job at that end, uh, if I remember rightly. But yeah, it was um, it was interesting. Mm. And we got we got punished for that though, didn't we? I mean, Jonathan, as I remember, the next season. Didn't the FA kind of ban us from having away fans there and reduce the capacity no, and all sorts of... I thought they banned us. Banned no, that's us. what I'm talking about. They, yeah, they yeah, that's closed, what I'm saying. They closed the shed and the yeah. north stand and you had to go in the benches or yeah. the uh, the east stand. And the, yeah. it was... Yeah, and they, I think they banned away fans altogether. Um, yeah, we, six we games started, or something, wasn't it? Sorry? Six games, was it? Six games, yeah. And we started the season terribly and basically... David Lee came on for his debut against Leicester. We were 1-0 down. He scored and made the winner. And after that, we only lost about two games all season. Yeah. Won the league by 15 points. If he was that, that moment was transformative. But up till then, in, in front of no supporters, it was just, again, you know, it was more of the same. And I couldn't see us turning it round. And fair credit to, uh, to Bobby Campbell. He got Graham Roberts and he got Peter Nicholas and he turned it all around. And it ended up being a great, a great, great season. I mean, I, it's one of my favourite seasons, that promotion season, funnily enough. I mean, there was one other sad thing, I think, which was, was am I right? Am I re- recalling this right? But did we not get rid of Pat uh, Nevin that summer? Yeah, he went to Everton. Yeah, yeah, which is a huge... Oh, I mean, awful. I felt that really awful. bad. I mean, yeah, I mean, because I, I, wasn't, I wasn't really around too young to kind of, you know, when the old Kings of the Kings Road team broke up, but... For me, that must have been for, the equivalent for you, Jonathan. I would imagine, and Tim and Marco probably to a certain extent was when Peter Osgood left. But I really, I really, I was just, I was just heartbroken when we Pat left. You know, yeah, but there you go. Wonderful. Player. So, so there we go. So for people, people out there, I mean, Tony, Tony Glover's in the house. How lovely to see you in Mixler, Tony. I hope you're well. I mean, you know. I suspect that I, I just got this impression uh, over the last few days that a lot of. Uh, Supporters out there couldn't understand why there was so many of us going. I hope I hope we relegate those bastards. They deserve to go down. Poor little innocuous Middlesbrough. What have they ever done to upset us? Well, that's what they did. They relegated us in '88, and we've never forgiven them. And frankly, they deserve to go down in my book. And plus the fact that the League Cups and the FA Cups they don't count, and the full members cup they don't count. They were only cups. It was all about getting them relegated in the league. Or am I just a miserable old scrope, Marco? I mean, that, that is a probable, possible theory. 
I think I think you're being cantankerous. <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> That's a wonderfully apt word, I think, for me. But there we go. Um, listen, let's uh, let's have a quick break. Uh, I, I do believe, by the way, uh, peace uh, peace in our time has broken out in my ears uh, or in my head. I'm not quite sure. Uh, because I'm no longer hearing duff sound through the mic, so something the, the 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 podcast fairy has descended, and all is right with the world, as in fact it is with Chelsea supporters, because it's it, we're nearly there. We are nearly, nearly there. It's it's almost over. Now you're going to believe us. We're going to win the league. We'll be discussing all of the big issues from uh, from the game last night against Middlesbrough in a minute. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And I'm delighted. I've got a, I've got a real heavyweight cast tonight. I tell you, and, uh, <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, I don't. Well, not 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 as in not. Oh dearie me. No, okay, cut. Take two. I don't mean as in you're all fat bastards. I mean as in you know heavy hitting Chelsea mediary type supporters. I mean not not also. I would all, I, I would I would venture to say um, you've also increased the average age of the podcast considerably. Um, but there you go. I am actually the youngest on the podcast tonight by a considerable amount. There we go. How about those apples? But no, in all seriousness, it's I'm, it's a brilliant lineup tonight. I've got Jonathan Kidd as always. Jonathan, hello. Hello. Uh, I've got the marvellous, the mar- marvellous Marco Worrell. Buonasera. Who's on, who is on, and, I, and I'll share this with the people in Mixlar and, uh, Mixlar even, and uh, and uh, the general world, is that I was sitting there at the top of gate 17 after the game, and I was waiting for the wonderful Johnny T, who I was able to sit next to last night, so I was waiting for him, he's having a gypsies, and uh, kind of minding my own business, and then I turned to my left, and who should I see but the beaming face of Mark Worrell saying, Happy days are here again. <laughs> it was wonderful. It was really lovely. It was a really, really good night. And before we get into that, I should say we've also got the wonderful Tim Rolls, my uh, former partner in crime on the Supporters Trust, and uh, he's about to release a book. Tim, as always, great to have you on the show. Hola. Well, there you go. It really, it really, was, it really was a great night last night. And, I mean, I think it's quite interesting because, you know, I, I was refusing to call it beforehand, uh, but there was, I, you know, there wasn't that. I, th- I think that we were all so, you know, delighted about Spurs norsing it up on Friday that it had actually lightened the mood and released a lot of the tension. You know, mm. we kind of knew that we had four games to win two two games. You know, and Middlesbrough were shit, and we knew it. And I think everybody had like chilled out as a result. It was almost like a party atmosphere in the ground. Jonathan, you're you're situated in the midst of it, really, uh, where you sit. Did you get that feeling? It was a bit of a party atmosphere going on. I did. I love. I love the. Uh, I, I love the volume. Um, my, my girlfriend came when my girlfriend was taken uh, by uh, some other people in. Um, the stand, much to my bemusement, and introduced to me. Um, and as she hasn't been to a game for 10 years and normally hates it, I was slightly taken aback. But afterwards, she said, uh, 
um, she said how remarkable to hear hear so many men singing in such a, such a deep throated emotional way. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's Chelsea fans for you, isn't it? I said, but no, it was it was uh, it was great. It was the atmosphere was great actually. The uh, the joy of uh, of bringing it bringing it home almost was uh, was wonderful. Though I have to say, in my usual squeaky bum, um, I've seen it all before, and we're going to to fall apart way um, after we'd failed to to score for the first 22 minutes, despite having hit the bar and uh, been all over them. I thought they're going to get a breakaway goal, and then we're never going to score again. And oh my god! And then. Instantly, we uh, we scored with the first uh, Costa goal with the the triumvirate of nutmegs, which must be a first for any goalkeeper to have the ball put through his legs three times. Um, mm. But yeah, no, I I, uh, I I loved it, and actually, I may honestly say, but I know it was uh, some people have, have complained about it being premature. But when people started singing Champions in the second half, I got very emotional. And uh, more emotional than I I, it, I I don't know why. Perhaps it's just my age, but I just I, also I just love us winning things. I can't tell you the the absolute joy it gives me winning winning trophies. And uh, I know we're not there yet, and one mustn't um, we mustn't think we must mustn't scupper it in some way. Because didn't um, didn't Antonio himself when playing for Juventus with the uh, nine points um, ahead or yeah. something? Only yeah. three matches he was, to go. He, he, he was he was he was four. playing. Yeah, uh, Tim. So Tim, do you, do, just to pick up on what just to pick up on what Jonathan's saying, uh, Tim. I mean, you know, it's interesting. I mean, Jonathan and I have been particularly cagey actually over the last few weeks, and we're not prepared to say we're, it's in the bag. But I, I really got a sense last night that it, 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 you know that's game over. You know, we we can't fuck it up now, surely. Well, I think it was as you said earlier. I think it was it was Spurs losing to West Ham and looking after they'd let the goal in, that they were clueless. I think that sort of released a lot of the tension. Borough was an ideal team to play last night because although you know, they're normally defensive, they had to get something out of the game. So maybe they, were, they weren't playing the usual tactics. I, I think you, know, you don't want to be you don't want to be premature on these things, but a fixture list of West Brom away, Watford at home and Sunderland at home, when Spurs have got to play Man United at home and got a Leicester and Hull, who could be on the last day could be fighting for relegation. You have to say... We are almost there. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Spurs don't win another match. Actually, I wouldn't. I, I think wouldn't we at all. Yeah, I not think we knock the stuffing, knock the stuffing right out of them. Uh, Marco, uh, talking of Fabregas, as we weren't, but I think we absolutely should. Um, you know, you wrote a cracking article about uh, Fabregas today, uh, which is up in ESPN's site if anybody wants to have a look. But uh, I would agree entirely. I thought he put on an absolute masterclass last, last night. But I, I would add, with a very massive caveat, that Burrow were absolutely shit and gave him the freedom of London. <laughs> that is true. But nevertheless, we, we've all been to games when other players have been given the freedom of the pitch and fa- failed to take advantage yeah. of it. I, I think, you know... and just the crux of that article was the fact that, you know, whether he's been given a 20-minute cameo off the bench as he was at, at Wembley against Spurs or, or um, a full game on, on on the rare occasion when that's happened, you know, he's contributed. Um, and, and somebody, I don't know who compiles these weird stats. I mean, this, this is a particularly weird stat that, um, he, he's the first Premier League player ever to score, to, sorry, to provide 10 assists 
in six seasons. I mean, yeah. who, who, who compiles that? But, um, you know, then there are other stats just in respect of um, his minutes played versus his general contribution, passes completed, all that kind of stuff. And, it, and he's, he's way ahead of anybody else in that football team. Um, and, and I just think, you know, I wasn't sure when we signed him. He had that stellar first season um, when he had, you know, got that double act going with Costa when we won the league. You know, last season was obviously last season. And then clearly, you know, there was the inference that he wasn't a Conte type of player, whatever that might be. Um, although I think we've got a flavour for that now. Um, and he... You know, unfortunately, the signing of Kante has seen him marginalised. But every time, I mean, I'm struggling to find, think of a, of a time this season. Maybe, maybe Arsenal away when we we got spanked three nil. Um, you know, when he hasn't stepped up to the plate and and delivered, and uh, and his football is a joy to watch. I mean, yeah, it was Middlesbrough, but you know, God, you know doesn't matter who you're playing if you can't pass you can't pass and boy can he put the ball on a sixpence um so yeah you know and sort of going back to that Tottenham game at Wembley you know in my eyes that, that was a pivotal substitution I mean he came on took changed took the Chelsea's, game took Chelsea's one and only corner in that game from which Hazard eventually scored and then you know did did, did some wizard stuff down the flank with 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 Hazard when you know to get Matic in for that yeah, screen. We still we, we 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 still lost that game one eleven on corners though. To be fair, Marco, if if uh, <laughs> you believe believe what you see in the press, I'm really glad you mentioned Matic. Then actually, that's a really good segue because you know you talk about um, you know Fabregas really in a sense having been marginalised a little bit this season because of Kante. I mean, I I have to say I would disagree with that. I don't think. That his place has been taken by, by Kante. I think that it's really it's either Fabregas or Matic, and that I think is an is a is a more interesting question, don't you think, Jonathan? I mean, I should I should preface that really by saying I actually thought that Matic was great last night. I thought he played with real bite and and energy, and and actually we didn't miss Kante at all. But would you would you agree with that, Jonathan? Is it is it Matic or 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 or, uh, or Fabregas? Yeah, I think he's played. Uh, he's chosen them according to uh, yeah. what tactics he's wanted to be using with whichever the, the team. And I've, I've always felt that if he thought the battle was going to be be uh, quite difficult, he'll bring Fabregas on later, um, and to play that wonderful ball that he plays to uh, uh, from the halfway line um, to to Costa. Um, but no, I, I I think that Matic is is obviously more combative, so he brings him in for. For those games, I, more I, physical, I, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, obviously much more, and that's the dilemma, isn't it? Is that it's how, particularly last year, how easily he was bypassed for, and uh, perhaps he studied studied that last year. Um, he stud, he studied last year's performance, Conte, and decided well, he's he's not to be trusted in those very physical games. But Conte mm. um, um, is 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 the man for that. So to me, Conte and, Mat- and Matic are the you want to create a kind of barrier, then you play them both. If you want to, then, mm. and then and then Fabregas comes on as a, a playmaker when the opposition have been have been subdued or a bit knackered. 
And I, I, I agree with you there. I, I agree with you there totally, Jonathan. And I, I, I mean, I actually said this eons ago, actually, on, on the show with Kerry, that actually it's it's horses for courses, you know. Um, so I don't have a problem with that. I just wonder, Tim, if if ultimately, you know, Fabregas, who it has to be said, has been the absolute consummate professional, I think, this year. You know, when you consider his status in the game, <clears throat> to have been something of a bit but, but player this year and not thrown his toys out the tam, uh, of the pram and got all kind of, you know, all about his own ego. But, I mean, do you think that, that that's going to be enough for him? You know, if that's the role he's going to have, do you think he might not look to move? Well, next season we've got the Champions League. So he'll have... We'll, we'll need a, a a bigger squad. People, the fringe players, if you like, and it's the wrong word to use for him, are more likely to play more often, probably. And, you know, it's what he wants. If he wants to go abroad, then he'll go abroad. But I can't see anyone in England, I can see teams in England would want him, all of them, but I can't see necessarily want to go any of them. I hope he hangs around for a, for a couple of more years because he's got something almost no one else in England, possibly except Michael Carrick has got, and it's the ability to spot a pass early and play it. I think he's a fantastic player. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I've given him a rough time and, I, and I've always been very honest about that and said that, you know, I, I'm such a parochial little sod that I can't get over the fact that he played for Arsenal and Barcelona. But the reality is, is that there are there are very few better in the game that does what he does. And he's, you know, I think as, a, as this kind of quarterback type player or a playmaker, he's, he's superb. And I think it would be very, very uh, sad to see him go. And I think Tony, Tony Glover on, on Mixler was saying that he could be our Perlo, and I, I think there's, that's a very valid point. Anyway, we should move on, because there's still lots and lots and lots and lots and Sorry, lots Chidge, to discuss. Can, can I make one point, Chidge? Do you mind? Um, just quickly, uh, which is, uh, um, speaking to Simon Johnson on Saturday, who works for The Standard, he was saying that he actually thought that um, next year, uh, Conte might revert to 4-4-2. Uh, Why? Case, um, because he likes playing that way. And Juventus play that way at the moment. Juventus have got Higuain and, and Lewandowski playing that way. So you've got two big blokes. So in actual fact, he might buy both Morata and Lukaku to play up there, presuming that uh, the Conte goes, uh, that Costa goes. Um, and so he might have a completely different role to play. So I, I think it's too early to make any assessment of, uh, of who would leave or not. Well, that's a very, very, very good very good point mate actually and I think uh, you know there's, there's well I mean I I, I want to don't let me forget to talk about Alonso because I really need to give him a lot of love but uh, it segues quite nicely into a little bit of a chat about Diego I mean first of all I hope that Diego called nuts for that goal because it has to be one of the funniest nutmegs I mean how many times Marco have you ever seen a player nutmeg a keeper quite like that for a goal well, to be honest with you, obviously, given given where, where we where we are, I didn't realise he'd actually done that until I saw the. Your, eye, your eyesight's worse than mine, mate. No, no honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, think it was the other I mean, I've got, I've got to be honest with you, Marco. I'm now struggling to pick out who the players are from where we sit. <laughs> it's getting that bad. I'm going to have to start yeah, bringing Tony, opera glasses in. <laughs> I saw the repeat on TV, yeah. which actually this morning, so I wasn't aware it was quite that um, nuts, whole hazelnuts. It was, uh, though, wasn't it? It was such yeah, a yeah. shouter for nuts, wasn't it? Beautiful. Yeah, um, there was a bit of. Uh, I mean, as Jonathan was saying actually earlier on, of course, I forgot that. That actually, I think uh, every single goal was a nutmeg, wasn't it, J.K.? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a triple nutmeg. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, let's no, I know. It was the goose was absolutely terrible. I yeah. mean, it was very good for Villa a few seasons ago, but uh, oh god, particularly particularly mm. Alonso's goal, where where you know it was at such an acute angle. I, I was I thought the only way because he just whacked it. I thought the only way it will go in is hitting somebody. Oh my god, it's hit the goalkeeper on the knee and gone in backwards. How do you do that? Yeah, like yeah. That. Well, I mean, he nearly did that early on. Remember when the when no, the when it went under the keeper and it hit the bar? He was on fire last night. Which, uh, Alonso. What Alonso? Yeah, oh, I, I, do you know what? Do you know what? I turned, I turned round to to Johnny T during, during that match, and I just said, I, I just love this guy. He just, you know, I, I, you know, I've always said that my minimum requirement for anybody who puts on a Chelsea shirt is that they give a hundred percent. I can forgive them anything, anything, uh, as long as they put in a hundred percent. And Marcus Alonso puts in a hundred percent. Every match, I just love this guy, and he was, as you said, Jonathan. It was he was all over it like a rash last night. Anyway, Tim, going back to um, to Costa, uh, there was some conjecture I saw floating around on social media saying was he waving goodbye to the uh, to the yeah. crowd after he scored that goal, or and then of course we got this rumor coming out today, Tim, that um, he might actually be staying and not go to China after all. <clears throat> well, I don't think he's going to say goodbye. Two home games before the end of the season, anyway. This is well, indeed. People, people clutching at straws or seeing something that's he, not there. He, he I have no idea. Chance. Wait, wait. Let Tim answer. Uh, Thank you. I, I, I have no idea whether he's he's leaving or not. But what I would say is, I hope he stays. Um, right. If the, if we do change the formation, I hope they can shape it around him. If he goes to China, then 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 good luck to him. But if he wants to compete at a serious level and have a real run at the Champions League next season, then the best place he can be is at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, I mean, I was having this row, and I had lovely, as you can tell, I had a lovely time talking to Jonathan Turner, largely because I was sober last night. So I was able to talk during the game, and of course I had somebody to sit next to. But we were talking about this, about, you know, whether, you know, we were talking about how many world-class players does Chelsea have at the moment. And, you know, obviously Hazard was was an easy call. I, I, also, I also said Kante. Uh, and possibly Courtois, but of course I also say Costa, and I think you know he he is one of the best strikers in the world. He can be bloody infuriating, I know, Jonathan, but you know he's a world class player for me, and I would rather we kept our world class players, particularly as Tim said, if we're marching on Europe next season. Now you you wanted to bite in a minute, so do, do you want to come in? What you were going to say? Yes, apologies for leaping in. That's right. It was, it was appropriate at the time. Was that he was way from where we were? He was waving at a pal. He had a pal in the crowd near us. <laughs> Seriously. Yes, yes. It's, it's it's similar the other day when they were talking about everybody getting at Mourinho. One bloke was shouting at Mourinho. Yeah. You know, it's this thing that it all gets blown up. And, and yeah. the trouble is, I, I, not the trouble, it's, it's good. I see these things for what they are. Because there was some bloke who then just raised his hand and waved. He was waving at a pal. So you you are our spy in the cab, aren't you, J.K.? From where you sit, I'm, I'm right on the halfway line. You know, you see all these things. Anybody who's and nearly always anybody who's um, uh, a guest sits in the area to my left. So you get lots of. Uh, you get, I think Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank was there last night. Yeah. No way. Jam Franco was there. Well, he played for Borough, didn't he? So. Uh, so hang on a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. J- Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank was sitting next to you, basically. Well, no, no. About you know, he's in the next sort of. Uh, um, he's about twenty yards away, thirty yards. All away. right, and right. Uh, but he's not, you know, nonetheless. You, you know, you everybody crowds around him trying to get autographs. Also, and and Gianfranco Zola was there um, recently, and, and uh, um, you know everybody pops in, um, and that's where they give clearly given tickets. 
to, to sit because it's it's you know it's posh seats and they hope that they hope that's where Wenger was if you remember you know that's right yeah, the show yeah. That we all we all sang uh, we want you to stay to him that's right yeah <laughs> he, was taken, he was taken aback by because because he thought like oh, that's not going to happen to me here it's too posh but you know we uh, we thought no what an opportunity let's sing that song now um, but yeah no, so it um, it, uh, it I, I, I thought I, I thought that's I remember at the time thinking, oh, he's got a mate because he kept waving at the mate. And I thought, this is how has that been interpreted as he wants to leave? And as Tim said, if he's going to wave at the crowd and say his goodbyes, it'll be at the Sunderland games, not unless he's, you know, unless he suddenly disappears for three games. He's got some kind of hidden agenda, and he's going to, he's not going to bother to play for the rest of the season. Well, of course he's not. He's going to be playing on Friday. So uh, that's just well, that's I, the, I, that's the, the media just finding it. Tough. Yeah, well, I, I hope he stays. I really do hope he stays. I think you and Tim agree with that. Uh, Mark, would you, you want him to stay, I presume? Uh, no. Really? Okay, no, why not? I've had, I've had enough. I've had enough of Mr Costa. Um, so I'm glad I'm glad he's been professional. Um Unfortunately, I think he's, uh, well, not unfortunately, I think it's just the way it is and it seems to be a trait amongst the, the Brazilian players in particular who just forget, forget about playing in a real football league and just go for the money. You know, uh, Oscar, Ramirez, all, all lost to a great league in in uh, search of you know chasing a pound note and to be honest with you 620 grand a week he's not going to turn that down is he to stay at Chelsea Football Club when he's you know every couple of months he's he'd been whinging about being here so I hope he scores two in the cup final against Arsenal I wish him well um, and bring in Lukaku Mm, okay, well, Sunday, fair enough, Mark. I, Sunday, I can. I, I'm not sure about that. Not sure about what, Tim. Lukaku's ability against top teams. Well, no, no. What? Not what at all. My, my point is. My point is, and this goes back to when we, the days when we were crap. Uh, I'm only interested in watching players who I genuinely believe, which is hard with the amount of money that's being chucked about. But, you know, who, who are there to do a job. Fabregas is a good example of a, of a proper pro who, who's there to prove himself and do a job and not, um, you know, a fawning prima donna, uh, which Costa has been on more than one occasion. So time's up for me and he won't be here next season anyway. So if you, if you, uh, he's not going to okay. be there. I'm convinced. Fair enough. That. Fair <laughs> enough. Well, look, somebody we also know... Uh, who is not going to be here next season and also is the absolutely living, breathing definition of a proper pro is, uh, is John George Terry. And uh, it was lovely, I thought, to see him get a little cameo last night and get cheered every time he kicked the ball. A whole, uh, the whole uh, coterie of uh, JT songs came out as well, JK, but it was lovely. So there we go. JK, talk about JT. How lovely was it? I... Um... I'm afraid I, uh, I I came out of myself and uh, cheered every time. No. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You'll be banned from the East Middle for that, Funny Jonathan. Enough, I, I was the only person doing it. But uh, <laughs> brilliant. I, I couldn't stop myself. No, it was wonderful. I loved it. I loved him coming on. I thought it was absolutely superb. But that was when the party was sort of uh, 
was taking place, wasn't it? Um, yeah. That, that was when we were all uh, we were thinking, well, we've got this in the bag. Let's uh, let's uh, let's Friday. Let's, let's see if we can get a ticket for the. If anybody hasn't got one for the for the the baggies game. Quick, quick question. Quick question for the panel, because I was asked this last night during the game, and I didn't know what the answer was. And then I... who who asked you the question? Uh, all right, Pav, the man. The all man right, who, Pav, the man who blags himself into yeah. stadium in the world. Um, he, he said, "Do they still have that rule where you have to play a certain number of games to get a Premier League winners medal? And if so, has JT?" I can I can well we we do don't we Jonathan because was it was it Dan last week who had the answer to this indeed it was Dan absolutely he said it doesn't exist anymore the, uh. the club get given a large number of medals and they can give them to who they want uh. yeah so there you go so uh so, so JT we, we don't I mean actually it's a really interesting point Marco it's a good segue because I think the the, the leading question from that is well, you know, does JT need to play the remaining games to ensure he gets a medal? But actually, he's got a medal, whatever happens. But I'm going to ask that question anyway. Do you think if uh, if we if we beat West Brom on Friday, which means we've won the title, which means, you know, he can take his foot off the gas, will he start JT, Tim, for the remaining matches as a bit of a kind of a, a farewell tour, if you like? He may well do for one of them, but they're going to want to keep their eye in a bit, given they've got a cup final a week after the uh, the Sunderland game. I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he started one. And, and in, certainly, if we have won the league, you'd expect him to play some part in the Sunderland game. But, uh, you know, I mean, he, he might well... I think you'd probably start with him in one, maybe, and, and bring him on the other. But he may want to give some young players a time as well. So we'll just have to see. But I'd be astonished if Terry, if we have won the league, if he didn't play... At least part of the Sunderland game. I, I think he'll lead the team out for the Sunderland game. I don't think he'll start for the uh, West Brom, obviously, and the Watford games. But I think if if we've won the league by then, which let's presume we will, I'm sure he will he will lead the team out in that Sunderland game. I cannot believe that anything else will happen. But I think I'm just picking up from what you said, Tim. I think I think it's an interesting thing, isn't it? If 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 we have won the league on Friday, what does he do? You know, does he use it as an opportunity to bring some of the kids in for some game time, or of course, does he have to deal with the fact that we've got to have one eye on the FA Cup final? Because of course, we want to win that too, Marco. So, I mean, what, what do you what do you think he'll do, mate? Well, he's got a, he's got a big enough squad. I mean, just going back to the point you made earlier, I, I I would if we if we win the league on Friday, then why wouldn't he want to give um, his, his starting eleven? That he's going to play in the final, um, you know, two weeks off. So I'd, I'd be playing, I'd be playing JT, I'd be playing Nathan Ake, um, I'd be playing Chalabar, uh, Loftus Cheek, Batshuayi, you know, William, um, I don't know, Fabregas. I guess you know, I guess he's going to be stuck with a place on the bench at Wembley. I would, I wouldn't risk any of that first starting 11 that's going to play against when why would you do that it's, it's insane can i say something? Well, what, what, yes please do mate if we win the next three games uh we have the biggest points total ever in the premier league beating our own from before hurrah so, so there's a reason 
to play play properly. Well, also, also, Jonathan, I what what was in my head was that a keep some of the key players sharp, match sharp, but also keep the winning momentum going. I mean, I I get what Mark's saying, and I I I, I, I I'm not going to accuse him of doing this, but you know, I I will shit a brick every time somebody tackles Hazard in those three matches, uh, or two matches, in fact. Um, but it's a tricky one, isn't it, Jonathan? It really is. I, I'd be interesting to see what he does do. But uh, I'd love to get that points record tally, though. Talking of that, that would be great. It'd be great. I think he might give from if we do win it. I think he might give Louise a rest before the cup final because he's constantly injured. You know, even last yeah. night when he went off, he came back. Um, he did uh, what Louise did at the end of the game was he did a massive selfie with with people in the crowd just just by the dugout, and he had a. Um, uh, uh, some ice <coughs> to his thigh um, in, in a very strange it looked as if he was wearing a colostomy bag it was really rather peculiar maybe but, he uh, was but maybe he was but he kept he, he went he did about you know 20 selfies with people I have to say as did Antonio Antonio after he'd done that completely brilliant thing classy thing of clapping and uh, and, and embracing all the borough borough players and clapping the fans who he thought were great for coming all the way down um uh, to see them on a uh, you know on a monday night um he then went along the front of the of the east lower east stand having selfies <coughs> taken by practically anybody who could who wanted to he just went on and on and on you just think how many more selfies can he take you know with this huge grin he was so he was so pleased it was, mm. it was fantastic Excellent, um, Tim. I'm going to ask you this question because if I was to if I was to put money on it, uh, and of course, as, as we all know, I'm not a gambling man. Even though yet again I predicted the right scoreline uh, last week, saying that we would beat Borough three nil. If you want the evidence, go and listen to last week's Kerry Dixon show. Um, but I, if I if I was a betting man, Tim, I would bet money on the fact that you will be at West Brom on Friday. Um, I will. So you are you are ideally placed to to to. I mean, you know. Where where will where will the party be at, Tim? Well, that's an interesting point because before <laughs> before the match, there's a pub called the Vine. I'm not giving away anything here. It does curry. It's a big pub, about 20 minutes from the ground. Very away fan orientated. But after the match, it, <coughs> who knows? There's not that many pubs near the ground. With myself and and the curator are staying up in uh, Central Birmingham. But I don't I don't know to be honest. I think. Probably back in central Birmingham because I can't see. There's 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 nowhere near the ground apart from the vine. So it, there will be a party, but I suspect it'll be somewhere in central Birmingham. And it may not be one mass party. I think there may be a number of smaller parties. Mm. <laughs> okay. Well, look. I'll tell you what, Tim. I, I'm presuming that Marco's not going to be there. I'm presuming that Jonathan's not going to be there. Am I I've right? Got, I've got a ticket. I'm there. You've got a ticket, Jonathan. I and guess what I'm doing? I'm in uh, hospitality. Really? Well, you say you've you say you've got a ticket, but you're in hospitality, mate. So you know. There's not really a ticket, is it? No, but I'm. I'm no. I, uh, I got my. Uh, <laughs> my uh, I got my man servant to ring up, and he could only get me. A, he could only get me a ticket amidst Borough fans, against uh, with, with uh, West Bromwich fans. Well, so, Jonathan, I hope you take their end. That's all I can say. Even well, if you're on your own, just you and the butler. The bloke suggested that I sit on my hands. I said, yes, yeah. sorry, it will be. Just just keep going, boing, boing, baggies, baggies. You'll be all right. Um, anyway, <laughs> well, look, you... I'm you, going to say, come on, you throttles, just to confuse me. 
throttle him. And of course, you know, you'll be all right at the beginning because they'll play liquidator. Just don't you forget don't yeah. forget to not yeah. say Chelsea. Uh, but I won't be singing we hate Tottenham either because I never oh, do. Don't even go there. Don't even go there. Listen, I mean I am presuming probably correctly that Marco won't be there. Am I am I right, Mark? No, not there. Covering it for like, ESPN though. Yes, from the comfort of your armchair like I will be, no doubt. Indeed. Well, look, I'd like to wish you, Jonathan, and your butler, and Tim, much joy and fun on Friday night. And wherever you end up, have, have a, think of people like me and Marco and have a, have a drink or two for us. Or in your case, an orange juice, Jonathan. <laughs> um, listen, just before we wrap up this part, and, and you know, because I'm really looking forward to talking to Tim about his, uh, his new book. But uh, I, 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 it would be very remiss of us not to mention... Uh, you know the the one person probably on this show who uh, who who's not as, as miserable an old scrote as I am certainly, uh, and that is uh, Mr. Antonio Conte, who was just the epitome of class last night uh, by going up to the Borough fans and uh, and applauding them. And I thought that was a really lovely gesture, considering it was a Monday night and they travelled a bloody long way, knowing that they were going to get tonked. And knowing that they were going to be relegated, no matter what we said earlier on in the show about, we were all secretly quite glad that they've got relegated, and we did it. Uh, my hat is off to supporters who are prepared to go that distance on a Monday night to see their team get tonked and relegated. And I think it was it was one of the things that I like about Conte, and I think I said this in an article the other week somewhere, but I I get the impression uh, that this is a man who absolutely understands football in his heart and his soul like few professionals in the game do he kind of gets what it's about he gets the pain that supporters go through he gets the passion I thought that was just a beautiful gesture and 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 epitomizes what I think about him I mean Tim would you would you agree with those sentiments yes I think so and I think the borough fans to their credit were, were you know got right behind the team they could have jeered they could have booed but they didn't especially the performances of Guzan and the Grado were so terrible but they got behind the team, and I think cost, you know, Conte respected that. And yeah, I thought it was it was a nice gesture. For what must have been a difficult day, and the poor so and so's won't have got back till to Middlesbrough till three in the morning, four in the morning. So fair play to them. Yeah. Mm, indeed. And um, there's a couple of great comments actually relating to uh, the party or no party uh, at West Brom. Uh, Planet Earth is blue. Says there's nowhere to drink near the ground. I work nearby. Head back to Brum afterwards. So there you go, Tim. Uh, yeah. Well, and solid advice. And Praj, uh, Praj says, didn't Frank Sinclair say he will host the Jamie Vardy-type party at his place on Chelsea TV? <laughs> well, after Frank winding up the, the Spurs fans on Twitter with uh, when the Spurs melt down last week, uh, I think that would be a great party to go to. Marco, you and I can go to that one. We'll be in the manor. So there <laughs> you go. All right, OK, we, we ought to move on. Um, uh, because actually, before we do, I, I, of course, my usual plug for the Kerry Dixon show, of course, which I record each week with the great man, my favourite man in the universe. Um, anyway, we do it on a Thursday. It's available on a Thursday afternoon, so make sure you download it via Acast, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And I have a suspicion that uh, Mr. Dixon will be a very happy camper this week. Uh, and I think, I mean, he was confident on last week's show that it was done and dusted, and, and he'll be delighted to no doubt feel that that is confirmed. Now, after the break. Uh, we're going to be talking to Tim about his forthcoming book, Diamonds, Dynamos and Devils, The Transformation of Chelsea FC under Tommy Doherty, and the crowdfunding campaign to get it to the bookstores. And it's uh, that, ca- that campaign is launching on Thursday. We'll be talking all about that in a second. 
Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> but where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. I'm Stafford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, Mark's buzzing. He's enjoying the show so much tonight. Um, and. Uh, We've actually just been having a really good chat with uh, with the people in Mixler while we're on a little break. Um, but, you know, I've got Mark Worrell in the house with us tonight. Hello, Mark. Buonasera. We've got uh, the a superlative Jonathan Kidd, who I had the pleasure of seeing uh, on Saturday night, more of which uh, in part four. But I also saw Jonathan in the cock. He made a rare appearance to have a bit of cock last night, didn't you, Jonathan? <laughs> I, I, uh, I, 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 a dashing appearance, in and out. Yeah, it was good to see you. And and Rick, we, you and you, me and Rick had a lovely chat, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. And, and he commented on my hat. He said he thought it he was did. A, bit, uh, a bit crumpled. And, uh, and, uh, I, I'm bored of Rick being very rude about everybody's hats. He was rude about my flat cap again. And I said, piss off. You've got a stupid woolly excuse for a flat cap on. And he got all upset. So it's my Hoxton hat. So there we go. Uh, now, last but, but by no means least, we've also got the fantastic, uh, great friend of mine, Mr. Tim Rolls. Now, Tim Tim needs no excuse to be on the Chelsea fan cast. He's also proved uh, unequivocally tonight that he can master the technology, so there are no issues on that front. Um, but the, the, he needs no, no, you know, he doesn't have to have an excuse to come on the show. Tim is welcome whenever he wants to, because I love him that much. But there is a specific reason why we've got Tim on the show tonight. And it's one that I, for one, am incredibly excited about, because uh, 
Tim, um, well, he's launching a crowdfunding campaign uh, this Thursday, but Tim has got a, a book in the uh, in the pipeline. And, uh, of course, also very serendipitous that we've got Marco on the show tonight as well, because, of course, Marco's Gate 17 publishing company is publishing it. But the book is called uh, uh, Diamonds... Uh, it's very difficult to say, but it's Diamonds, Dynamos and Devils, The Transformation of Chelsea FC under Tommy Doherty. So it's basically um, all about uh, the wonderful early 60s, mid-60s side Doherty's Diamonds, uh, a team that, because I was born in 1965, I never saw. Um, but uh, first of all, Tim, um, what was the idea behind it? I, I, I have a suspicion there may have been some personal reasons behind this one. Well, partly. I, I, I When I retired, I decided that I'd actually... I started doing, I'd never written anything before, anything for sort of uh, websites or fan casts or anything. I actually started to actually quite enjoy it. And then I thought, well, the next thing to do would be write a book. And I actually spoke to Mark and I spoke to Rick Glanville and I wanted to do a Chelsea one, but a, a book that no one else had written about an era that I, I vaguely remembered. And, and this, no one has written a, a book specifically on those six seasons from 1961 to 1967. My f- first Chelsea game was three weeks before Doherty left Chelsea. My first game was against Stoke in September 67. And Doherty left three weeks later. So there were, yeah, there's personal reasons. But it, it, it's a fascinating subject. Sorry? I think that was Marco. What's going on, yeah. Marco? The door opened and closed. This is... This is uh... <laughs> Misty's going to be putting an appearance in, in a minute. Uh, you've just been well, upstaged by Misty, Tim, but sorry, mate, yeah, carry that, on. That, that's fine and well. Um, no, I, I, it just seemed an interesting period because it, Chelsea transformed. When Doherty took over, the clubs, the players trained by running around the, running the dog track at Stamford Bridge and having a kick around in the car park. Training ended at 12 o'clock because there was greyhound training taking place at lunchtime. The, the, the manager, Ted Drake, didn't have a coach and, the man, and he didn't want to waste his time spending time with the players when he could sit in his office. So Chelsea, having won the league under Drake five years early, were basically a shambles. And in six years, Doherty changed the club completely. He, he, he got rid of all the old guard. He brought in the youngsters that had won the Youth Cup in 1960 and 1961. He brought in... Proper training, got the training ground organised at Mitcham. He brought in, he bought Eddie McCready for £5,000. He bought George Graham for £5,000. And they both, Graham only stayed at Chelsea two years, but they were both fantastic players. And when he left, and we'll talk maybe in a bit about why he left, but the club had changed completely. Chelsea were competing for honours. They reached the European semi-final. They had international players. And six years earlier, no one could have seen any of that happening because the club was basically in, you know, in, in stasis. It was just, it, it completely stagnated. They got 90,000 £90, pounds or whatever it was for for selling Jimmy Greaves. He, he, unfortunately, Doherty wasn't able to, to buy him back. And the club weren't going to use that money. And I think the, the key point is that he brought in Peter Panetti, Ken Shellato. Barry Bridges, uh, Terry Venables, Burt Murray, and he played them, and he played them week in, week out, and they became known as as, as Doherty's Diamonds. He, he augmented it, as I say, with the likes of George Graham, Eddie McCready, kept a couple of experienced players, in, in particularly in, in John Mortimer, brought Ron Harris through, made him captain very young, 
And Chelsea fans in their 60s now, there's so much affection for, for Doherty and for those players from people just a bit older than me. Because as I say, I only saw one, one game under his reign. But people who were sort of five, six, seven, eight years older than me. I, I, I interviewed some for the book and, and got quotes from them. And the passion they have is, 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 is unbelievable. So it was, you know, I started writing and I just got more and more wrapped up in it. You know, which is which is good because you don't want to be writing a book you're not interested in. So uh, <laughs> true enough. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's you know it is it is the first book I've ever written. It's taken me as Mark will tell you. I was wildly optimistic in how long it would take, and he said, "Take as long as it takes, Tim. You've got to get it right." And it's actually taken me four years from the initial idea. Wow. To where we are now. Now some of that's personal reasons about one or two things going on outside. But how people write books. And hold down full job, full time jobs, and have families. I just do not know because okay, I've had to do a lot of a lot of research, but it's it, everything takes longer than you think. The research, the writing, the the, the production process, and, and the marketing. But you know, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and I'm now waiting with some nervousness for, for the next stage. And of course, you you and Marco have worked obviously quite closely together on this. I mean, yep. you know, Mark, this is a, a path that you've trodden many, many times before, either writing yeah. them yourself or, or or supporting people like Tim to do them. And I know that there's, there's another book coming out in a few weeks' time, which I'll mention at the end of the show. But um, you know, uh, I would imagine it's been quite fun working with Tim on this. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Tim, Tim's enthusiasm for this project has has, um, has been has been quite mesmerising, really. Because um, I think maybe sort of, I wasn't aware of the fact that you hadn't kind of really done much in the way of writing. So I think maybe that that that's why you you've sort of approached it with um, such enthusiasm. But I remember when when he first spoke to me about it. Um, and the only reason I know this is we've actually got a plaque up in Cheam Sports Club to commemorate the event when, when Tommy Doherty came to the club and um, did an evening with us. And it was 2011. Um, and I'm pretty certain I actually recorded all of that and gave it to you, Tim. Is that right? You did. You did. And that, that was one of the seeds of the idea of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I... Seeing Tommy Doherty, I've been to loads of these um, evenings where, you know, you get ex-players um, speaking about about their, their life and careers. And Doherty, um, who was obviously at Chelsea long, long before I, I knew knew what was going on, um, he's, he's the only person that I've ever been to one of these things where you couldn't hear anybody there was no there was no whispering and i guess you know part of the reason was you know he's quite softly spoken these days ah here comes misty um yeah so obviously when when tim said he wanted to do this book i said look great idea because it's it's one of those eras when um you know the, 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 there isn't much information out there so you've really got to go and collate all the infos, look, go to the libraries and look or do all the forensic stuff in the newspapers, which Tim's done. Um, and he submitted his manuscript to me. I've, I've seen it. I've seen it once before, but this was his kind of like, look, this is as far as I can take it, Stab, which he sent over to me 
um, last week, and I've gone through it with him, and, and it's great. I, I mean, you know, for, for people, for people who love detail, they're going to love this book. I, I've even had to speak to him about a couple of his tables that he's compiled, which have which have gone too far. <laughs> right, I should point out that at school, my best subject was statistics. And I just sat there one night and thought, well, what tables could I do from the data I've got? Which is not the way to approach it. The way you should approach it is what tables would people be interested in? That's not quite the same thing. So, uh, no, Mark's obviously been extremely helpful in sort of dampening down one or two of my sort of excesses in terms of content. But I think that the, the, the point is as well, I mean, I was lucky enough, I met Doherty uh, three weeks ago. I, we, when we played at Man United, Nick Tilt, who runs uh, the Duke of Edinburgh pub in, in Ascot, set me up to, to phone up Doc. He was happy to talk to me, talked to me for three hours, went through loads of the issues, still coherent at the age of 89, and still still as interesting as ever, exactly what Mark, Mark said. You know, you, you, you hang on to his every word. Still loves Chelsea. Still leaving Chelsea broke his heart. It's the favourite club of all the clubs he's been at. And it's the club where he's still, in he's still in regular touch with Ron Harris. He still keeps in touch with Christine Matthews, who is on, is, is on Twitter and on Facebook. And she used to be secretary of the club. So he knows what's going on with the, with the older players. And he was so generous with his time. And he was, you know, he was fascinated about the book. I was, I'm lucky that my wife is, is a skilled artist. She's done the cover. He loved the cover. So, yeah, I mean, I've got more, as time's gone on, I've realised I probably was wildly over-enthusiastic in terms of timing. But in terms of content, as, um, as Mark said, there was no substitute. I had to go to the British Library and wade through six years of newspapers. Took me, I thought it would take me six months, took me eight foot. You know, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it properly. Jonathan, I I, I really want to yeah. bring you on on in here because, um, without being rude, I mean you're a little bit older than all of us, I think. Uh, so I would imagine that you actually, I mean Tim saw one uh, Tommy Doc game. You would have seen a few more of those. I would have thought. I mean, what are your memories of that time? Uh, Barry Bridges, I loved. Uh, slightly um, one leg, uh, slightly bandy. Um, was always being put through and always go around the goalkeeper and score. That was quite a great memory of him. Then he'd rush back and he had a particular way of celebrating, which was he'd punch the air. And I, I duplicated that whenever I scored because uh, I, I loved him. And he played for England. I was so pleased when he played for England. I'm bloody hell, I was 10. And I, I, I watched as many games as I possibly could. And uh, uh, I loved them all. I loved Bobby Tambling. I loved... Uh, Burt Murray. Burt Murray played a huge number of games at that yep. period. Um, uh, I, I loved, uh, George Graham, Stroller, as he was called, was uh, was also a great. He was a great player to watch. I don't know when you. It's difficult. You don't. You haven't got any idea of tactics when you when you're eight, nine, ten, eleven. You're just watching them and uh, and and I loved it. Of course, he introduced Tommy Dot. Introduced the uh, the blue, blue, and white gear because before that it was. Uh, it was blue, white with uh, with white socks and, um, uh, and 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 two little two little blue bands at the top, and that was so trendy at the time with the numbers. And I I managed to get a kit actually. My dad got me a kit, and my dad also got me a 1966 um, FA Cup semi final kit, 
which for some godforsaken reason, this was against Sheffield Wednesday, which we lost 2-0, which I went to, was um, an Inter Milan kit. Why yeah. they played in blue blue and black stripes is beyond me. But I bought that kit and then was forced to wear that, even though it just gave me memories of them losing. And Jim McCallyog, um, who played for us, um, scored for Sheffield Wednesday against us, which similarly broke my heart because he'd been one of my favourite players. Um, but who was the other one? Of course, um, set, um, players were started off uh, under under Doherty, who were um, ultimately became you know members of the great 1970 side, uh, 69 70 side. So you got Charlie Cook in his infancy. He bought him. He had very keen on buying Scottish players, obviously because of his. His, his Scots connection. So you got Cook, you got uh, there was a winger called Tommy Knox. I liked who played. There was, yeah, off and on, yeah, off and on. And of course, as you said, McCready, um, uh, the wonderful Frank Upton, who, uh, as I've said before on the show, um, when they beat uh, when they beat Portsmouth seven nil um, to uh, to come second in the uh, uh, in the second division for the last promotion game, actually scored a goal from the halfway line. But it was, you know, old offside law. And I think Tambling was coming back and was, you know, was, was, couldn't possibly get, get near, get past him to be onside. So it was given offside. But that similarly was one of my, my great memories. And of course, there was the other Harris brother, Ronnie Harris, had his brother, Alan Harris, um, who, if I remember, Tim, wasn't he transferred and then he came back again? He, he went to, to Coventry That's and then right. he, in late 64 and came back in... About the same time as Charlie Cook in April '66, went 66, straight into that's the right. side. They, when, when who died? Sorry, when who? No, died? sorry, he went straight into the side oh, right, against, right. against Barcelona in the um, Fairs Cup semi-final, and he played the following season, played in the cup final, and then Doherty sold him. So he was one of Chelsea had a, 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 a were really unlucky because McCready was a fantastic overlapping fullback when no one else was doing it, that's and on right. the other side was Ken Shelato who was also equally good at going forward. But he, he, he damaged his knee um, in 1963. And Chelsea brought in uh, Joe Kirkup, uh, yes. Adam Harris, um, Jim Thompson, and none of them were quite good enough. And I think if Shelato had stayed fit, it's, it's accepted that he would have played in the 66 World Cup instead of George Cohen. And I think, to be honest, if he'd, been, if he'd stayed fit, Chelsea would probably have been an even better team than they were already. Yes. Yes, and also the other another thing just to remember was the, they they also had the little the Fairs Cup run when they got to the semi final and uh, had to play an extra game didn't they against Barcelona yeah which which annoying which was shown they put some bizarre kind of sheet um, sheets up at the bridge to show it on it was a kind of there's this like screens but they were sort of just just basically um, you know bits of wood with sheets attached as far as I could work out. And we unfortunately lost five nil, and uh, and and I I was there of course watching it with my little rattle, and uh, um, it but, was such a shame because they'd had such a wonderful season playing in Europe. They were but a they fabulous, played fabulous side. Yeah, but the problem was that season as well. Terry Venables fell out with um, Doherty and was sold. Barry Bridges yeah fell out with Doherty. He was sold. Murray went in the summer. I mean, what happened in the latter part of Doherty's reign was he did fall out. With a, with a number of players. He fell out with George Graham. Uh, Venables, particularly, he, he's not got bad words to say for almost anybody, Doherty, but he's got plenty of bad words to say for Terry Venables. And they're, they're all in the book. So I'll, I'll save those for the book. But uh, there's, plenty, there's plenty there. 
Um, and Tim. You know, that, that was sorry. Go on. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, talking of which, I mean, one of one of the because you've got this fantastic uh, blog site that you set up. Uh, kind of following the progress of the book and one of, one of the things that caught my eye in terms of the narrative of the book is that you know clearly you go into the players and some of the famous victories and, and numbing defeats as you call it Indeed. but you also you also talk about um you know Stamford Bridge and and what the crowds and the atmosphere was like and the west the new West End as it was then and, and the shed of course and of course that's really when the it was that era when the shed really came into its own wasn't it it, it was now the book isn't really about the supporters, but it does talk about the ground, about we played a cup tie against Spurs before the West Stand was built. There were 70,000 in the ground, 159 people treated by St John's Ambulance, three crash barriers went. There could have been, you know, serious problems. Um, that's why they built the West Stand to, to sort of maintain the capacity. But the shed, I think it, it was... It was September 66 when the um, Clifford Webb's letter in the programme named the shed. And I think the season before, people had started um, had started seeing. But the book's not primarily about that. But certainly in those six years, you went from grounds where there was no singing and very few people went to away games to a situation where there was proper atmosphere coming in the grounds and, and far more people went away. Mm. I mean, one of the other things that you, you mentioned, which uh, I, I hope you might just shed a little bit of light on, on now, actually. And uh, by the way, that you've got a, a couple of uh, uh, friends uh, or brothers in arms, I think, in, in Mixler. Planet Earth is Blue was clearly around uh, in, in that era. I mean, he just said that I was at the Spurs game and it was it was frightening. And he's also yep. hated Barca ever since. But, you know, you allude to the rows and the fallouts, but you talk about Blackpool, Roma, Bermuda and many more. Um, just to enlighten some of the younger listeners right. on the Blackpool, the Roma and the Bermuda issues, right. if you can. Ro- Roma, we played them in the Fez Cup in um, late 1965. This is the precursor of the UEFA, UEFA Cup, which is the precursor of the, the Europa League. We beat them 4-1 at home. Eddie McCready was sent off. We went out there. The, the Italian press hyped up that we kicked them in the first game. The Chelsea team were pelted with missiles on the pitch. John Boyle was hit by a stone. Benetti was hit by a stone. Uh, and then on the coat, the coach was attacked on the way back to the hotel. Um, and Roma were banned from Europe, I think, for three years. Venable, sorry, Doherty said it was the most scary thing he'd ever experienced in his life. But Chelsea won and went through. But it's, you know, when I was young, I read a book called I Was There, which was a famous journalist talking about particular football matches. And Brian Butler, who used to write for The Telegraph and was a BBC radio journalist, talked about that game and said it was the most... And this is a man who, I think, fought in the war and, and, and said that the what happened at that game, with because they were attacking the press, they were attacking the Chelsea coaches... They moved the Chelsea bench, so they had to be to sit behind people throwing missiles at them. You know, it was it was pretty scary. But to Chelsea's great credit, they they didn't respond to any of this. The players didn't respond. I don't think there were many away supporters. To be honest, we probably only took a few to the game. And you know, the, the Minister of Sport, Dennis Follows, praised the team for their uh, you know for, for not reacting. But the other two I mentioned, Blackpool and Bermuda. Right, Blackpool is where eight Chelsea players were sent home by Doherty for going out. Uh, he set a curfew of 11 o'clock and they didn't get back till well after midnight, a couple of days before a game um, against Burnley. Now, the, the myth is that that stopped Chelsea winning the league. It didn't stop Chelsea winning the league because 
they were already in a position where they were, I think, five points behind Man United or whatever. But what he did do, he sent them home, and that included Venables, Bridges, Murray, George Graham, John Hollins, uh, Joe Fascioni, and, and, a couple, John, and a couple of others who escaped. He sent them home. It was front page in all the papers. Uh, it, was, it was the main story on the, on the news. And this is in the days when football wasn't front page news. Um, Bridges and Venables particularly never forgave him for, for the way that uh, they were treated. Um, it was just before the end of the season and, you know, it sort of died down a bit over the summer, but then, then blew up the following season. But if you can imagine, it wouldn't happen these days and because, simply because the club would keep it in-house. But Doherty arranged for the press to be at Euston when the players got back on the train from, from Blackpool and they were put into a van laid on by Chelsea where the police were there and it looked like they were all being arrested. There's a photograph of Barry Bridges and Marvin Hinton looking like they're great train robbers. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's an astonishing thing. And he admits now he got it wrong. He admits he overreacted. Uh, and a lot of the players never forgave him and half of them had gone within, within, within 18 months. Bermuda, Chelsea went on tour summer 67 without going into... This is the one area he wouldn't really talk about. But there were two rounds with referees. He got into a couple of Chelsea players, Barry Lloyd and, and uh, Tony Hayden, got sent off in different games. He had rounds with the referee, made some very uncomplimentary comments to them. Went, they, that was in sort of June 67. Come late September 67, the players... Everyone was back. The season had started. Chelsea weren't doing well. And the FA decided to do an investigation. Banned Doherty for 28 days for, for abusing the officials. And he, he was called in by the club and basically he was sacked. I mean, he, he was described as by mutual consent, but clearly he was sacked and, and, and paid off. And I think that was the last straw. There in the book details a whole load of ways rows about ticket allocations, rows with players, rows with the chairman, because the, the chairman for most of his reign was Joe Mears, um, Brian Mears' father and the, the you know, descendant of Gus Mears, who, who founded the club. Uh, tragically, he died summer of 1966, and a bloke called Bill Pratt took over. And the fact that the shed was singing, our chairman is a Pratt, gives you some idea... <laughs> <laughs> In, in what respect? And, and he had public rows with Doherty in the press, which, again, just wouldn't happen now. And wow. it was inevitable that Doherty was going to go. And in the end, you know, he went. But it's just a shame it ended like that. I think a lot of the players, you know, were, were sorry that, that, that he'd gone. I think a lot of the, um, the supporters clearly were sorry that he'd gone because the game afterwards, after he'd been sacked, the day after he went, Chelsea lost 7-0 at Leeds. And the Chelsea, the carriage on the train with the Chelsea board was attacked by supporters. And Pratt was reduced <laughs> to leaning out of the window at Wakefield Station asking for help from a passing porter. <laughs> so, that yeah. is... <laughs> That yeah. is fantastic. Tim, look, final question on the content before we actually get into the kind of how people can get hold of this fantastic yeah. piece of work. Um, you know, my, my kind of take on, on, on the Doherty's Diamonds and that era really was it was the it really was the kind of the beginning of, of, of modern Chelsea, if you like. Yeah. And um, 
you know, it, it, you know, we were we were we were getting close to winning the league. We we won the league cup. We got to the cup final. You know, there was a sense that things were happening under Doherty, and we had some great players. If if he had not have been got rid of, how far do you think he would have been able to take them? Well, that's that's an interesting question because they replaced him with Dave Sexton, who was completely different, who had been his assistant, you know, for a few years in from sort of sixty three to sixty five. I'm not sure how much further he could have taken them. I think he was unlucky when Aussie broke his leg because he was rebuilding the team around Osgood and Cook. He got rid of Bridges and Venables and Graham and Murray and he was rebuilding the team. Uh, to be honest, he, he made mistakes buying, buying a couple of defenders and Sexton sorted that out. He brought in John Dempsey and Dave Webb. So maybe, it was the, time, maybe the time was right. I, I, I don't know. It's impossible to say. But if, I do. I do think if Osgood hadn't broken his leg in October '66, Chelsea might—they were top of the league at the time. Might quite possibly have won the league that season, and everything would have been very, very different. But who knows? Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. You know, we we would have gone on to win the European Cup and not Man United, of course. <laughs> well, indeed. <laughs> well, you know, that's a lovely note to end that uh, bit of the narrative. I think. Um, so, look, you know. Uh, the book, the book's done, obviously. Um, yep. But you're basically you're you're launching a, a crowdfunding campaign on Thursday, eleventh. Why, why is that happening? Right. We, I mean, you can do, and we are doing a paperback version and an e-book version. But I wanted to do photographs, and photographs are, are expensive. And Mark and I talked about this. We bounced this around for months. The only way to to see if there's enough interest there in a hardback book with photographs is, is to do crowdfunding um, where you, you know, if you get sufficient pledges, in this case, it's the books are £25, including, uh, including UK postage. If you get 200 pledges, then we will produce the hardback book. If we get more than 200, then that's great. But we need a minimum of 200 because I wanted to do, you know, it was a personal choice. I just wanted to do it with with photographs, and that that because licensing photographs, doing it properly, ratchets the price up. Producing hardbacks, you know, again, it ratchets the price up. But it's something it's something I wanted to do. Now, if we don't get two hundred orders, we're still going ahead with the paperback and the ebook anyway, and that will be coming out in the in the autumn. But what we want to do, just to correct you, these won't be available in the shop. The the hardbacks will in in shops. They'll be it's a matter of ordering it online through through uh, this Kickstarter page, which will go live on Thursday. And information on that, the link for that will be put up on the blog, which is, I mean, can you can you tweet this from the the, the fancast thing, the, the the blog email address? Sorry. But I, well, yeah, I'll read it out in a minute. I've got I've got yeah. the. Uh, the URL for the, the blog yeah, thing, and I've also yeah, got your blog, Twitter address. It's, it's, the Twitter address is the easy one. That's docs at, at Docs Diamonds. And I think on there will be how you have a link to the blog, which tells you about the book, and to the Kickstarter page, which is how you can you can make a pledge. Um, the, as I say, the, the paperback and the, the, um, the e-book will worry about uh, you know, in the autumn, but be, we're doing this now, and it, it, we've got 40 days. The idea being that you open it on Thursday, it closes on the 20th of June, 
if we get sufficient interest, then we'll go ahead with it. And the idea is to produce that book in the in the autumn. I, I'm nervous about, and Mark's nervous as well about naming specific dates because <laughs> you just never know with these things. But that's the Especially given current experience with with the Eddie McCready, <laughs> yes, indeed. But the the, the pledge is the, the the commitment is that people would get it before um, before Christmas. We are on the page. It, it tells you how much the prices are for the European Union, which is thirty pounds including postage, and the US and the rest of the world is thirty five pounds. It's all there. Uh, it will be on Twitter. I'm, I will be be fair to say there'll be a promotional campaign that anyone who uses Twitter or Facebook follow, who follows me, who follows hopefully the, the, the fan cast and whatever people, I'll be encouraging people to retweet. I'll be emailing people I haven't seen in 20 years. So that, you know, I'll be, I'll be doing as much as I can to, to push it. And if we don't get the interest, yeah, I'll be disappointed, but you know, at least we've had a go. I, you know, I have some faith that we will we will get those orders, but we'll, you know we'll, the proof of the pudding will be in the eating. But it goes live on Thursday, and I would you know if people want to know more about it, look at the if you go onto the Twitter or follow the Twitter account, that's got links to the blog, the Kickstarter address. I don't get until Thursday morning um, when it goes live, and that will be all over social media, and it will be on the blog and it will be on Twitter, so you'll be able to find it. So right, just to just to recap on all of that, um, you're looking to well, basically you need to sell pre-sell two hundred or of these books in 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 the deluxe hardback version. Why why is it deluxe, yeah. by the way? Because it's hardback. That's I mean deluxe. Is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> deluxe is there we go. Lovely, it, it, lovely stuff. It, it's a hardback book, and you know, and, the, and therefore people, deluxe, and therefore deluxe. No, no question by, required. By, by, by definition, people have said to me, "25 quid's a lot," but that—that that is the economics of producing a, a low-run hardback book. So that's you know, fantastic. That's, that's so anyway, you, you know, bottom line is you you need to sell 200 of these at 25 quid a pop. Yeah, uh, and that yeah. that will enable you to produce the the hardback version which we hope will come out sometime before Christmas. Yeah. The best way to get the information, just to recap on that for Tim, is follow Tim's uh, book account on Twitter, which is at DocsDiamonds, D-O-C-S, Diamonds. And his blog is, can be found at Diamonds, Dynamos, and Devils.wordpress.com. So, uh, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm in for a copy of that and then some, and I'm sure many, many people will. JK, I, you'll be lapping that up, I suspect. Oh, yes. Blimey, I'll be straight in there. Good, good stuff. Yeah, looking forward good to stuff. it. Marvelous. Well done, and, and, well done, Tim. Brilliant. And uh, final, you. final, po final point. Yeah, thank you, Tim. That's absolutely fantastic. I mean, the, the comments I've been uh, watching on Mixler uh, about you talking about this book have been absolutely superb. If only you could see them. In fact, actually, why don't I just read a few out? That might be. I mean, Planet Earth is blue is clearly hooked. He says, "Well, I'm having two hardbacks." Uh, and he says that your next book should be Sexton Sizzlers. Um, <laughs> so there we go. Bob Uzray. Bob Uzray says this is great stuff. Uh, 
Tim tells a good yarn, says Ali Fragley. Bonnie Rig Blue says you could listen to Tim all night on here. Great stuff. Do you know what, Bonnie Rig? I, I, and I'm sure Marco and Jonathan would agree we could listen to him all night, but sadly we can't. We really need to go to the next part of the show. But I, I, I basically, I loved him to pieces. I know it'll be a cracking book. I'd like to say thank you, as always, to Marco for enabling uh, people like Tim to get these books so out I. to the Absolutely. masses. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it wouldn't have happened. It would, it would not have happened without Mark. So, yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, Mark is a hugely unsung hero in this domain, and I think you know he's been so instrumental in getting such great, great, great books out there, uh, and he really we, he deserves a huge amount of gratitude and thanks from all of us. Ain't that right, chaps? Yeah, absolutely. Good. All right. Well, you know what to do, people. You need to go into that crowdfunding site as of Thursday and go and get yourselves a book because I think it's going to be a cracker. Right. Uh, after the break, uh, we've got a couple of emails from the Antipodes, would you believe? And uh, also we're going to have a look back at a fun weekend spent with the boys from the London is Blue podcast. See you in a sec. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com And in a minute, we've got some emails for you. But before we do that, um, I've got the usual uh, plugs. And of course, I'm joined by Mark Worrell and uh, Tim Rolls and Jonathan Kidd. And just a reminder that they need to be quiet whilst Jonathan and I uh, read our stuff out. Thank you. Uh, first of all, um, as always, uh, a little plug for the Chelsea Supporters Trust, um, which all you have to do is go and uh, go to chelseasupporterstrust.com and you can get your voice heard by the club. It's five quid to become a voting member or it's free for non-voting members. Uh, and of course, that means you can come and attend the meetings, you can come to the events, you can vote on the issues that directly affect you and make sure you get your voice heard. Lots of things going on at the moment. Um, particularly with a view to uh, the membership survey, which is coming out uh, very soon, I think just about the end of the season. We'll have our AGM in the summer, as we always do in August, when we'll be laying down new motions. But obviously the things that are are, are vexing supporters, most of all really, are are to do with the redevelopment and particularly the move to a temporary stadium. Uh, And also things like kickoff times, which Tim has done some fantastic work on recently. Uh, now, CPO, if you want to own a little bit of Chelsea and protect the future of the club, go and buy a share in the Chelsea pitch owners who own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and whose aim it is to ensure that Chelsea Football Club will remain playing at football at Stamford Bridge, even though that uh, looks very likely because we're redeveloping the stadium. It's massively important that you still back it. Uh, anyway, you can find out how to buy a share for about 100 quid by emailing info at chelseapitchowners.com. Or, of course, you check out the uh, website, which is chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash Chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners. You can also follow them at pitch owners and you can buy shares in installments if you uh, if you want to. If you can't shell out 100 quid in one go, you can buy them in installments, basically. Now, uh, on Saturday, or no, not Saturday, Monday, get it right, the, uh, the last issue of CFC UK this season was released. And uh, I procured my free, because I'm staff, I get it free, but I saw the lovely Mark O'Worrell on the stall last night, didn't I, Mark, and picked up a free copy. Uh, Of course, to everybody else, to mere mortals that don't write for this weighty tomb, it's only a pound, but hurry up. But anyway, hurry up, because it's the last one of the season. Uh, No doubt a cracker, as always. haven't read it yet. Um, So, anyway, um, 
this is this doesn't really apply the normal stuff. Actually, no, that, that's not true. There's still a few matches, still a few home matches to go to where you can pick it up in person. Go and say hello to Marco. He loves a chat on the stall. Uh, quite often, he likes a hot chocolate as well. Uh, if you can't go there personally, of course, you can get it digitally by subscribing online at CFC UK Net. Uh, .net, sorry. And if you're in the US, you can follow the Twitter account at CFCUKUSA, uh, or you can just t- contact Dan Lundberg, who was actually in here earlier on. I don't know if he's still uh, in here listening live, but uh, you can find him at DLundberg underscore. Now, um, talking of the Yanks, as we were, um, I had a bit of a momentous weekend, really, because the lovely, lovely lads from the London is Blue podcast uh, came over on their little sponsored trip to come and... Uh, Come and see a game, but um, they also um, organised a fantastic do on Saturday night in the Atlas Pub, beloved of many Chelsea supporters. We've often had do's there, quite often have our trust meetings there, and we had a lot of lovely people. There were a lot of uh, Yanks that we, actually the nicest thing was I met a few people who had actually emailed the show in the not too distant past. But uh, so we had some of the London is Blue uh, guests who had come over from the states and all over the world to join them. And then they had the likes of us. I was there. Jonathan was there. Tim was there. Uh, Liam Toomey was there. Clayton was there. Uh, Simon Johnson from the Standard was there. Jake Cohen. I mean, it was a real Dan Levine, Dan Levine, of course. It was a real great gathering, wasn't it, Jonathan? Oh, it's fantastic. Certainly feeling the love. God, um, we were we were stars. I was taken aback completely. You know, people coming up and shaking my hand, and saying, "Oh, great, great." Well, there was a woman there who said. Uh, uh, she said, you, you look exactly the same way that you speak. She said, unlike Clayton. She said, but she said, unlike Clayton, that's what she said, which, you know, so you go, okay. Um, poor old Clayton. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, I just loved it. It was fantastic. It was just so, the, uh, and also some of them are so informed. God, bloody hell. No, no more about the, the stats and the current, current side and what's going on in tactics than I ever will. Um, so uh, they, they 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 get so much information nowadays by by making their you know by watching watching games at four o'clock in the morning and uh, and uh, social media and reading all about it and, and lots of them of course play play uh, soccer in America so uh, they're very very well informed and, and very nice guys as well really really mm. they were weren't they Tim did you enjoy yourself very much yeah I mean it was interesting to meet people I sort of interacted with. On social media, it was a good, t- you know, it was a good mix of people because there was some people obviously I knew. There's some journalists I didn't know that well. Liam, Liam, Timmy being one of them, and you know the American guys. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a good evening, and the, the Atlas is an ideal venue for it. So yeah, good fun. Yeah, it was. And I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I was somewhat battered having actually. I, this is the good juncture for me to get another plug in for another book actually because uh, I killed two birds with one stone, and I actually sat down. And keep your ear holes open for this one, people. I did a, a an hour and a half interview uh, with the lovely Mark Meehan and Neil Smith, who are who have co-authored another Chelsea book uh, together with uh, the legend that is only a pound, Mr. Dave Johnson, and the aforementioned legend, Mr. Kelvin Barker, and again published by Marco, uh, which is called Eddie Mac, Eddie Mac, which is a book all about the uh, Eddie Mac- Eddie McCready management years which kind of went from 75 to 77 uh, and a bit like the Doherty's Diamonds in a way for those that were around then it was it's a very much loved uh, season as a Chelsea supporter uh, these two were just brilliant I mean fueled by quite a few beers it has to be said they came out with some absolute gold dust 
and I'm going to be running um, an edited version of that in in next Tuesday's show. But it was so good and so much fun. Uh, I'm going to put out the entire interview, which is about an hour and a half, as a special one-off show because they are launching uh, their book um, on May the twentieth with a fantastic do uh, at, at Under the Bridge, which of course is the is the club underneath the uh, the East Stand, and they've pretty much got the entire squad from uh, the seventy six seventy seven season, plus a few other notables like uh, Kerry Dixon, uh, to name but one. Uh, Jason Cundy's hosting. It's going to be a fantastic evening. Um, but anyway, before that comes out, to help it on its way, um, I'll get uh, the special one-off podcast out, as well as the edited version on next Tuesday's live show. So there we go. Um, just to kind of wrap up on that, I, I had a superb time. It was just so lovely seeing so many people that I've conversed with. Either they've emailed the show, I've been on their podcast, they've been on ours, to actually meet them in person. But more to the point, seeing how excited they were to not just be at the game, but to, to be meeting other people, to come to the cock last night as they did and meet a lot. Of, I mean, I met Marv, for example. Marv, who's emailed us many a times and I speak to on Twitter and sorted him out with a, a signed Kerry book. You know, all these people. It was lovely. Brilliant, brilliant time. And reminds me why I love uh, following Chelsea so much, really. It's always been about the before and the after, but it's just... Since it's all gone global, it's, it's just even more fun in, 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 a, in, a, in a respect. Anyway, enough of me prattling on. Um, it's time for your emails. We've got two crackers this week, Jonathan, haven't we? We do, indeed. One slightly rude from Mike Clark. Uh, hi, all. We're flying from New Zealand on Monday the 8th, so we'll be just too late to make Middlesbrough by the time we land. After a bit of back and forth, we've managed to get some tickets organised for Watford in the Shed Upper. Next stop on the agenda is finding a good pre-match pub. I've heard the cock is good in West London. Hmm. I tried Googling the pub, but was presented with two cocks. The cock (laughs) tavern and ye olde cock. Then it dawned on me that I'd been Googling cock for 20 minutes (laughs) on my work PC. From your experience, can the pod advise their recommended brand of pre-match cock? <clears throat> Another much less cock-related question. Has anyone found a good spot to watch Chelsea in Rome? As we'll be there for the FA Cup final, it will be incredible to see the team do the double. Thanks again, Mike. Right. Um, oh, yeah. Carefree, Carefree in the Antipodes, in the Antipodes. yeah. Yeah. Um, I can do I can do the cock bit, and I'm sure that Marco might be able to do the Rome bit. But the the only cock, uh, a, t- a pub much beloved of myself and Tim as our pre match pre match hostelry, uh, is basically uh, at the bottom end of the North End Road, opposite the church. Really, Tim, I think is the best uh, direction. Yeah, about as far down the North End Road as you can go. Yeah. Yeah, and it's opposite that church, and uh, it's kind of next to that other pub, the, the name of which always escapes me. Largely because yeah. it's crap, and it's <laughs> next you know? to the uh, and it's next to the dance attic, darling. It's next to the dance attic, darling. Yeah, the dance attic where I go and rehearse. It's there. Okay, <laughs> all right, brilliant. So there we go. And now, um, Marco, um, you, you you have a, you have Italian connections. I, I'm not saying that in a sinister way, um, but uh, you know, you may know somewhere in Rome where this man might be able to watch the cup final. I don't know Rome at all, to be honest with you. Don't you really? I I presume too much, perhaps. It was the famous Tottenham Hotspur that went to Rome to see the Pope. What did he say? Uh, 
Wow. Well, Vafangula. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Good just talking to Tottenham, just, just quickly, I thought it was absolutely brilliant last night how um, uh, we, we took West Ham's great chant from Friday night where they were singing It's Happening Again and made that past tense last night to It's Happened Again, Tottenham Hotspur, <laughs> It's Happened Again. That yeah. really made me smile. It did. And we're waiting for you. I thought it was quite fun as well. Um, <clears throat> OK, well, I'm sorry, Mike. Um, I don't know the answer to the Rome one. I'll be honest with you. I have a suspicion there must be some... You, the best. The best thing for you to do, Mike, is go to the Chelsea the main Chelsea website, and go in there and look for the um, official overseas supporters groups. There's bound to be an Italian one or a Rome one. And if you find one, the trick is to just email them and ask them because they will know. All right? JK, next email from uh, from Mark, I think this one is, isn't it? Mark Graver. Dear all, last week's discussion about superstitions got me thinking. If I write now, will it jinx things for the league? But then if I don't write now, could that cause a hex? Today, however, I realised the only thing I needed to have faith in is Spurs being Spursy. Who'd have thought it? The happy hammers. As Michael Jackson would say, I'm forever blowing bubbles. And weirdly, I find today, May the 6th, is International Bubble Blowing Day. Over the last few weeks, it's been great to hear the stories and thoughts of the world. How people found the club, their favourite players, their memories, their insights. If I may, I'd like to add a little of my own story. I usually admit to being a glory-hunting plastic fan, as I only started following Chelsea after they won the FA Cup in 1970, at the age of five and three quarters. My dad and brother were Watford fans. They were our nearest team, and my granddad had been on the board at Watford. He claimed to have signed Pat Jennings. But for me, there was something about the Chelsea blue I couldn't resist. Most of my young football experience came via Sabutio. Well, me too, I played that. Hours spent alone in my room with tiny men and giant balls. But then on Saturday, <laughs> January the 18th, on Saturday, January the 18th, 1975, my dad took me to my first game, Dirty Leeds at the Bridge. We lost 2-0. I still have the programme. It's in front of me now with my scrawled 10-year-old's handwriting telling me the goals came from Duncan McKenzie, who ultimately played for us, of course, and Harry Yorick. Ian Hutchinson, my favourite player, was our number 10. Ray Wilkins, John Hollins, Chopper and Charlie Cook played. If I ever get another Jack Russell, I'm naming him Charlie Cook. I still have the blue and white banded scarf and the enamel badge my dad bought me. Reserve, ste- reserve seats started at 80 pence. In the mid-80s, I ended up moving to Leeds to go to art school. One of my housemates, Little Sai, was also a Chelsea fan. We went down to Nottingham once to see us play Forest. We won 1-0. Pat Nevin scored. I still think he was offside, but who cares? We had to travel north back to Leeds. We were almost accosted by a bunch of our own fans travelling south at the station. They started to rather menacingly come over the bridge from the southbound platform towards us. And all little Si and I could think to do was recite the 1970 Cup final team out loud as they approached (laughs) in in between, saying, they won't believe us, will they, to each other? Luckily, our train pulled in just in time. 
The other week, there was a great story about not meeting Chelsea players. I studied fine art in Leeds, but got to know a graphic design tutor, Lenny, from Glasgow. His brother was friends with Pat Nevin, who just moved to Everton. Lenny had arranged to meet Pat in our local and asked me along. We sat there all night, all night, but Pat didn't show. He was held up in traffic, so had gone back home, and I missed my chance. I did meet Rodney Bewes from the Likely Lads in the toilets at Stamford Bridge on that first visit in 1975, though. I say met, it was more like stood next to. I ended up back in London in 1993 to do a master's in printmaking at Camberwell. But as a student, I rarely had the cash to go to games other than the League Cup. And when I did, Barnet, the Hoddle versus Hoddle game, and Stoke, they were always nil-nil. Then in 1996, I did a short teacher training and artist professional development course at Kensington and Chelsea College, just around the corner from Stamford Bridge. I'd travelled down from Hackney to Earl's Court. I'd travelled down from Hackney to Earl's Court and walked through Brompton Cemetery, looking over to the stadium with a feeling of pride. Around that time, I had an exhibition opening at a gallery in Chelsea. My memory of that day, my first major London show, was that it was the same day Rude Hullet was appointed manager. The abiding memory from around this time, though, is one of sadness. Walking past the ground the day Matthew Harding died and seeing the tributes, the flowers and messages. In 2003, I moved to New Zealand. Just before I left, my dad suggested going to the pre-season game at Vicarage Road. Watford versus Chelsea, 1-4-1. Sadly, my dad died in 2011, but he took me to my first game and he took me to my last. It's quite hard to follow games here in New Zealand. For three seasons, we had a great online subscription service that let you watch every single Premier League game live or on demand for a fee. <coughs> around. Excuse me. Bless you. For, for three seasons, we had a great online <coughs> subscription service. <sighs> for three seasons, we had a great online subscription service that let you watch every single Premier League game live or on demand for a fee of around £100 a year. Last year, the rights were bought by Be In Sports, who promised an on-demand service for this season. Four games to go, and we're still waiting, and they've given the rights to Sky, so it's only nefarious means now, and only evening kickoffs due to the time difference. Although I regularly return to the UK, it's always been in your summer, our winter, so no chance to get to a match, even if there were tickets. The fancast lets me know I'm still connected to share the good times and the bad, and hopefully the good again this year. It feels like a proper chat in the pub with like-minded mates. It introduces us to others around the world who have Chelsea in their hearts. It's passionate, but the debate is always reasonable. A very Chelsea thing. It's a taste <coughs> of home. It's a taste of home. So basically, I'm a long-time listener, first-time writer, I just wanted to add to the chorus of thanks for the job you all do in keeping us connected to all things Chelsea. As the bishop said to the actress, apologies for the length, but I'm so glad to have finally taken the plunge and sent something in, even if just to get JK to say whatever I like. <laughs> Seriously, thank you all enormously, and hopefully somehow, somewhere, I can buy you all a pint or a small sherry. Packet of crisps, then? 
And if you're ever in New Zealand, please feel free to drop by and I'll show you my 3D postcard of Alan Hudson, <laughs> whose son Anthony, coincidentally, <laughs> now manages the New Zealand football team. Mark Graver, Kerry Kerry, New Zealand. Very Mar good. What, wow. Yeah, great. Marvellous. Yeah, well played, JK. Well read, mate. Um, hey, I've got breaking news, guys, actually, because the wonderful, wonderful Mark Barfoot, um, who, of course, runs the, uh, the, the the equally superb Hastings Blues, has just posted on here, you know, the, the, the Mike, uh, Mike's email from a minute ago, wanting to know the answer about where to, to go to Rome to see the famous Chelsea. Um, Mark's posted, uh, Chelsea Italia, contact Stefano Foschi, uh, the email is ChelseaItaliaTravelers at gmail.com. And they're also on Facebook and they're also on Twitter uh, at CFCITravelers. So there you go, uh, Mike. Check them out and you might be able to find somewhere to watch it, maybe even with some Chels in Italy, eh? So get the limoncellos out, eh, Marco? Absolutely. Absolutely. Lovely stuff. Um Brilliant. Um, that, that was a cracking email, Jonathan, just going back to that, wasn't it? I do love these emails we're getting from people about how they found Chelsea. Lovely little stories they tell, isn't it? Oh, great. Wonderful. And uh, it's a shame that he can't see, the, see the, uh, the, the matches. I didn't know that that was happening. I thought it was, it was ubiquitous. I thought you could see Chelsea anywhere in the world now. But uh, clearly New Zealand has a bit of a problem, which is, just seems very odd. Well, I think it sounds to me like the problem is a is a is a mix up between these the the o odious B in sports where Richard Keys and Andy Gray ended up, which tells you everything you need to know about them, and um, um, and Sky Sports, who of course are are basically money grabbing bastards, um, allegedly. I hasten to add, uh, yeah, these are not 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 the views of me or the Chelsea fan cast. These are just rumours <laughs> and alleged things that I've heard about Sky Sports. Isn't that right, Tim? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Uh, unless you're only a pound, where it's all true. Um, anyway, um, moving swiftly along, um, it's time to go, sadly. It's been a real cracking... I've had a lot, a lot of fun tonight. I knew I would do with these guys on here. I'm sorry about the technical problems earlier on. They'll all get edited out for the podcast, you lucky people. Uh, but um, regarding emails, uh, we love receiving them. Uh, me and the guys who are on here love hearing them, and Jonathan absolutely loves reading them out. And I think the listeners like them too. I mean, Bob's just said, Bob Usray's just said, wonderful emails, so... They do strike a chord with people. Uh, if you want yours read out, very easy. All you have to do is uh, email chelseafancast at gmail.com. And if you do it before a Monday, they will get in the show. Uh, right, that's all we've got time for this week. Don't forget to download the Kerry Dixon Show on Thursday this week when Kerry and I will give our reaction to the Borough game. And uh, we will look ahead to Friday's game against West Brom and next Monday's match against Watford. Um, I will be back next Tuesday night together with Jonathan again, as always. <laughs> and uh, the lovely Dan Silver returns, somebody we haven't heard from in a while. Uh, but I saw him in the pub uh, last night. He's on great form. And he's just been to the States, actually. He's just done Route 66, the lucky boy. And I'm also hoping to get the lovely Oliver Harbord back from Football.London. Uh, we had him on the show for the first time a few weeks ago and uh, it's about time he came back on I haven't asked him yet but I'm sure he'll say yes if not there'll be somebody else now uh, do not forget to follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast me at Stanford Chidge Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd Mark at Gate17Marco Tim at Tim Rolls and of course at Doc's Diamonds Tim at Doc's Diamonds yep there you go uh, and of course check out the website ChelseaFancast.com 
<coughs> excuse me. Uh, many thanks to the Chelsea Fancast bloggers, as always. Uh, Ken Barkway put an absolutely stonking blog up last week about this nonsense about deserving to win. If you haven't seen it, go into the site right now, chelseafancast.com, and find it. It's one of the best written pieces I've seen. And just, I mean, Mark, Mark, you you commented on Twitter about what yeah, a great yeah, piece yeah. of work it was. You know, So if Mark Worrell says it's good, mate, you know it's good. All right? Okay. Uh, it is time to go. Um, Jonathan, as always, you've been an absolute superstar. Uh, pleasure seeing you as much as I did this weekend. Really lovely to see you out and about with us, Lot. I, you know, we we don't see you enough, and I and I and it was lovely to have you enjoying all the all the atmos with us. Really, I must do it more often. It was hugely enjoyable, Chich. Thank you very much. Was, uh, They're a great delight- bunch, aren't delightful. they? Delightful. You, yeah. You, you, you weren't too moist, moist eyed. You get when you get moist eyed, Chich. I know you've had too many, but you you were. Uh, you weren't. You were. Uh, you were in control. It was good stuff. No, Sorry, mate. I was. I was battered. I was battered on Saturday. It, it, it didn't come across that way. You, you were, well, just, I'm very good at. I'm very good at being able to continue talking no matter how drunk I am. But I was totally <laughs> battered, as I'm sure Tim. Tim can absolutely verify. It was great. Great weekend, Tim. Fantastic having you on the show. Uh, thank You're you so well. much. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Well, I mean, not only coming on the show to talk about the the, the Doc's Diamonds book, but I mean, it's an exclusive, really, because you were the first person. Uh, I mean, we're the first show that you've been on to talk about it, and I'm really, I'm, I'm very humbled and privileged that we've had you on to do well, that. So, thank you so much. I'm very grateful for the chance to come on. So, thanks very much. That was an absolute pleasure. It was great to see you at that uh, London is Blue do on Saturday. Well, that was a giggle. Really enjoyed that. Okay, uh, last but by no means least, the lovable legend that is Mark Worrell. Um, as we said earlier on, Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for publishing all these wonderful books. Uh, our lives are enriched by your generosity, mate. <laughs> it's a pleasure. It's great to be on. Yeah, always. It's always lovely to see. What, what's the plan? Are you, are you going to keep going in the closed season or are you wrapping up? Well, I normally, normally, you know, lie down for three months and put a towel over my head and try and forget about football. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, 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 I might be minded to do the odd one if something interesting. If there's something interesting to talk about, I'll, I'll do a few. But I'll keep you all. I'll keep you all posted. Sweet, sweet, lovely stuff, guys. You've been brilliant. Um, a pleasure having you on the show as always. It's been delightful having so many people in Mixler this week. Sorry if I was crabby earlier on, but. You've been listening to me for nine years, so you should know that that's how I roll sometimes. I never mean it. I love you all dearly, and it's always a pleasure having you in there too. But many thanks to my guests this week. Thanks uh, for the Mixler people for listening live. See you all next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the chills! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.